Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. Would you recognise an actor who starred in the Avengers films, Thor, and Captain America, three Bond films, two Star Wars films, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and Batman? In episode 12 of The B-Side, I speak to Bobby Holland Hanton, who's one of Hollywood's most in-demand stuntmen, who you would have seen in some of the biggest action films of the last decade, but you've probably never heard of. Bobby is a British-born champion gymnast-turned-stunt performer who has performed alongside actors such as Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, Robert Downey Jr., and he has worked for some amazing directors like J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg, Ridley Scott, and one of my faves, Taika Waititi. He has been the stunt double for many of Hollywood's leading stars, where he risks literally life and limb doing the breathtaking stunts that they wouldn't even dream of doing themselves. We chat about stunt performing, how he got into the industry, and the processes behind his craft, and we go behind the scenes on the new action-packed Netflix smash, Extraction, where Bobby doubles for longtime collaborator and close friend Chris Hemsworth. Bobby is an amazingly talented, creative and versatile performer and is a lovely, super humble guy too. I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. It's an absolute cracker. Cheers. Bobby Holland Hanton is in the house. <laughs> Even saying that makes me feel powerful. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I, I, again, I apologise for having to, uh, for you to get up in the middle of the night to do this. But um, uh, thank you again. Thanks for having me. I'm not going to argue with you, mate. You made, you said the time. I said yes. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure having you on, Bobby. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been in, in an incredibly busy man. Your schedule, I would imagine, would be incredibly hectic, especially off the back of the awesome Extraction, which I must say is probably one of the best action films I've ever seen, if not um, one of the more recent ones for sure. But before we get to that, because I know the listeners want, want us to talk about that straight away, why don't we get to the backstory of Bobby Holland Hatton and how did you get into the stunt game? My background from the age of four, I used to be a gymnast. I used to do men's uh, artistic, all six pieces. Um, again, like from the age of four till I, I retired competing for Great Britain when I was 17. So it kind of, the next the next step for me, because my whole life, especially from a very young age, was, um, you know, training five to six days a week doing, doing gymnastics and, and then, you know, weekends all around the country and then Grand Prix in different countries. So my whole childhood was 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 kind of taken up with gymnastics because of the the level and, and the amount of training you have to do to, to to compete at the highest level. And then when I got to seventeen, um, I was part of the junior European team and um, competing in Great Britain and a couple of Grand Prix in different countries: Russia, Ukraine, America, France. And I kind of a bit of a crossroads really at seventeen. I had to retire just due to back injury. I grew too tall, and my and my Russian coach left and went to America to coach at a university. Mm. So I was kind of lost, if you like, because all of my, as I said, my younger years were were taken up with gymnastics. And when I got to 17 and quit, it was kind of like, holy shit, what do I do now? You know, I've got all this time on my hands where I always had a passion for football, soccer, but I couldn't really give it my all and my, you know, the time that you need to really to, to be any kind of, of any kind of standard. So, but I was lucky enough, I think, because I played every now and again, but also I kind of take, took a lot of physical skills from gymnastics and adapted that to, to football with, with speed and agility and, um, you know, stuff like that. So I, I kind of started playing semi-professional football in a local club, you know, down south from me for two years until I was 19. And then I got into live live acrobatic stunt shows and then that led on to commercials. And that was when free running and, and parkour were kind of becoming popular. So I, came, I kind of started, you know, doing commercials around that era for K-Swiss trainers and, and Duke men's aftershave and then did some football mm-hmm. commercials and, and was, you know, football doubling for David Beckham and Fernando Torres and, and Steven Gerrard. And then, too, uh, too tall for David Beckham, mate, aren't you? No, mate, he's 6'1". He's, he's the same height. Oh, he really? 6'1"? 6'1", mate, yeah, he's the same height. He doesn't yeah. present like a 6'1", does he? He looks quite short. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. For Torres, Henri, uh, T- Torres, 
Beckham and Gerard, they're all the same height. They're about six one. Wow. So I would never uh, have thought. There you go. Yeah, yeah they're, they're they're big, and um, you know that, that kind of led on to mm. me finding out about you know the, the UK British Stunt Register and, and found out the criteria of what I needed to do to become a professional stunt performer in you know in TV and film. Um, so I trained and, and, and got my six disciplines. And at 23, 13 years ago, um, I had my first big break to just done double for Daniel Craig in Quantum of Solace. And I've kind of never looked back. So it's been a, it's been a good, good career to date, touch wood, and may it continue, you know? Yeah, good on you. Uh, Daniel Craig, so you, you've done a Bond film or a few? I've done three. I've, I've done the last three, but not the newest one. So I did uh, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. Oh, but wow. only double Craig on one of them, which was my first one, which was when I was 23. Yeah, so then I, you know, was helping out on Skyfall and the same on Spectre. I played a, a yeah. tiny part. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> you talk you talk about the six disciplines. What are they? Um, so the six disciplines, you have to choose a six from a possible 12, I think it is, um, sure. off the top of my head. And, you know, I chose gymnastics, obviously. Uh, mm. 10-meter high diving and, and, and trampolining, I kind of had all those skills already, you know, as my background, so I just took the tests to become, um, sure. you know, get to get the, the okay on those three. So I literally had three of them straight away. Um, and then I did kickboxing to brown belt level. You have to have two fights and record them. Um, mm. And then I swimming and scuba diving with my six. So I luckily, again, I had, had three straight off the bat. Swimming and scuba diving, scuba diving, yeah, uh, kickboxing. Obviously, you're quite quite good um, with regards to the uh, dispatching of <laughs> foes on screen. I was going to ask about your kickboxing training. Fighting. It's all film fighting. It's all uh, it's all acting. <laughs> All acting, it translates pretty convincingly on screen, i got to tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of um, stunt people tend to have some form of martial arts training, don't they? And there's a certain, in your parkour, there's a certain, I know certain moves borrow from the martial arts with the flips and the kicks and so. Absolutely, they do. They kind of go hand in hand. And a lot of my good friends that are very, very good, top, world-class stunt performers, you know, were, were martial artists growing up. So, I mean, I think what, what kind of helps, you know, in, in the to be a stunt performer, male or female, it doesn't matter. What helps is to have a background in something or, you know, an array of things that you can kind of draw on in your, in your stunt career. It does really help if you've got a speciality somewhere um, mm-hmm. because then you kind of get known for that skill and, you know, it's about adding to those skills, you know, and, and adding the strings to your bow. But... Um, but it certainly helps if you're if you're disciplined in, in you know a high level in one of them or two one of them. them. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up in the UK. Whereabouts in the UK? Uh, you're in London. Yeah, yeah I grew up in uh, in the UK. I'm actually I was born in Portsmouth on the south coast, and sure. I've been living in living in London now since I was 19. So yeah, a, a fair time to go. Do you have any siblings? Are they into? Are they sporty or? Yes. One sister and, and three stepbrothers. Physical wise, they I think you know my sister was a gymnast when we were kids. My three brothers have been played a bit of football and, and stuff like that, but nothing mm. like the crazy stupid stuff that I do. <laughs> when did you first notice that you were into the crazy stupid stuff? When I was a kid, I used to ride bikes and we used to fall off it on purpose and see who could pull off the best stunt. And I think for a few yeah. few, few years, I may have had aspirations of being a stunt man. Yeah, um, I, think, I think to be honest, if you, if you were to talk to my mum, she would agree that I had I was a troubled child, a troubled child. So um, <laughs> I had so much energy that she was literally like, "I cannot control this kid; he's a nightmare." How can yeah. we exert some of that energy? Where so that's why I kind of went into gymnastics and and almost mm. full time, kind of five days a week, four or five hours a session. But still, when I come home, I still have this energy that she's like, "How have you got this energy?" So I think. Early on, it was installed in me when I was doing gymnastics. I also had a, a strong um, buzz for adrenaline and high-level mm. octane of, of, of crazy stuff. So it's kind of been embedded in me, and I've kind of that's all I've known. So when I, you know, gave up gymnastics, and I used to get that buzz from gymnastics and a danger from it because gymnastics mm. is very dangerous. So um, to get that again, I was I would always kind of search for that and, and, and it kind of went hand in hand with stunts really yeah i wonder what that is i wonder what what researchers will say that need for adrenaline is you know i'm sure they'll say something yeah. about our well, dopamine receptors uh, are 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That natural dopamine hit that you get from yeah. anything that is any you know uh, adrenaline pushed. I think. I mean, to be honest, in my older age, I mean, I'm only thirty five, but I feel. I feel <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm what am I? Forty-five. Kind of, I'm forty-five in July. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Listen, I feel a lot older than that because I put my body through the mill from such yeah, a young age. Probably have. My mind's very young, but my body's not. But um, mm. I, I also think that you know, um, in my older age, you put it that way. But I'm kind of more chilled. I'm kind of like I don't need mm. that adrenaline rush that I used to. But even though it's still part of my job in mm. such a big way, um, when when I've got downtime, I try and relax, chill out, watch a Netflix box set, um, spend time with the family and, and try and not go too crazy. Although it is, I've also still got to keep up that, that training level and, and fitness mm. level to be able to still continue doing my job at the highest level. So it's a catch-22, you know? Mm. Yeah. In terms of your background, I'm still hanging there for a, a little while longer. Who were some of the people that influenced you or what were some of the events or places that may have affected you and had a lasting impression? Do you know what? I think growing up as a kid, all I was really focused on was gymnastics and I wanted to go to the Olympics. That was that was all I wanted to do. Um, and that was all I focused all my energy on was, was, was going to the Olympics. So um, growing up as a kid, there was, there was a gymnast from, from Bulgaria called uh, Vitaly Sherbo, sorry, he's from Belarus. Um, and he, Vitaly Sherbo was, you know, won the Olympics and he was five time gold medalist at the Barcelona Olympics in 92. I kind of always had him as my poster boy of like, wow, I want to be just like him. And then there was a Chinese gymnast called Li Xiaoshuang, Ivana Vankov, the, the list, the list of Alexei Nemov was a Russian gymnast. Like, so those guys were kind of, I used to watch videos of them. We're talking VH, VHS days. That I'd record when you know, or get my mum to record when I was you know sleeping, depending on where it was being filmed around the world. And I would just watch those videos back and watch the way they were doing things. So they were my huge influences when I was growing up, and my my idols and heroes that I wanted to emulate as much as possible yeah. or get. You know, that was my dream going to Olympics. And then I think that went with that was obviously football. I, you know, it was you know like David Beckham when I was yeah. younger, Eric Cantona and. You know, Cantona, players, remember that kick, that kick, Cantona, the Cantona kick where he jumped the barrier and landed the most amazing martial arts style kick to one of the hecklers in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I think that's crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, Darren Anderson, there was all these kind of players that kind of I used to love as well, mm. have all the sticker books, etc. So those were my kind of heroes. But then I, you know, growing up watching films, I used to watch Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon and Commando yeah. and Conan the Barbarian and and films like that. So, you know, I, I guess I had kind of a, a love for action early on without me yeah. probably really knowing it properly, I guess. Hollywood really has a lot to answer for with regards to inspiring young men and women to get into the film industry, don't they? It's this self-perpetuating kind of industry where it really inspires and encourages others. I think the amount of times people have referenced Bruce Lee or Arnold Schwarzenegger or, you know, those those films that have really shown these leading characters who are doing essentially the right thing for others. I think it's quite quite inspiring, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. It is inspiring. I, um, it's great. And I think, you know, they a lot of the industry, you know? I know Jackie Chan was a massive Buster Keaton fan, and obviously Buster Keaton way before our time, but you look at some of the stunts that Buster Keaton pulled off, yeah. like no wires, no safety harnesses. The guy was scaling buildings and hanging off trams and... <laughs> It's ridiculous. Craziness, craziness. But I mean, I guess that paved the way and the, you know, for the, for the younger generations to kind of go, wow, I want to do that. Or that is actually possible. I mean, we mm. obviously do it in a very different way now with safety because it's obviously paramount that we focus on safety. But I guess without people like, like that, we would, I guess we wouldn't be doing this because you, you need to set a precedent, if you like, if, if you don't see something, how do you know you can do it until you see it with your own eyes and then you believe in it? So they are, they're, they're pioneers of, of, of the industry, you know? Yeah, yeah. So going from the past uh, to the present, what are you currently working on now? Um, I mean, I've, we obviously extraction, as you know, we, we finished that last year. Now, hold on. Yes, we finished the additional photography last year, but the end of – when did I have uh, – so my back operation I had in early 2019, March. The 6th, back operation? Yeah, I had major back surgery, yeah. In and just how a, did you manage to, um, or was it something that happened by way of a stunt, or is it something that happened over time, gradually? Or 
so I struggled with back from gymnastics. Yeah, you were saying earlier, uh, yeah. And I grew in a short period of time. I had a crazy growth spurt. So when mm. I was 14, I was the smallest gymnast in, in, the, in, the, in my age group. By the time I was 16, I was the tallest out of all age groups in the country. So it yeah. was a major growth spurt, which put a lot of pressure on my lower back. So I had a, a stress back fracture early on when I was about 15, 16. Um, and then when I got into stunts early on, I picked up a couple of injuries along the way, which then found out it was disc problems and they were herniated, ruptured discs. And I went and did Green Lantern in New Orleans in 2010 and, and did it pretty badly where I had complete drop foot on one side. So it was on, you know, it was protruding onto my sciatic nerve, which was causing almost a strangulation, if you like, mm-hmm. of, of my nerve. So I, it wasn't sending the right signals, you know, so I couldn't even lift my foot off the ground. It Jeez, was crazy. Must have been so scary, man. So scary to experience something like that. So I, I then flew, flew to Dallas for emergency laser treatment uh, surgery, which um, I ended up, you know, it's part and parcel of it. It's a risk you take, but, it, you know, 1% of people get um, a disc and bone infection from the operation, and unfortunately I was mm. at 1%. Um, yeah. So I, I was then, you know, came back to England and um, had to, you know, have lots of tests done, and then by the time we found out what it was, they – you know, it was infecting, my, my spine was infecting, it was starting to eat away my spine. Oh, my, my, my health, my health cut of, you know, I went to the doctor and I went into hospital and spent two weeks on IV drips to clear the infection. And mm-hmm. um, so it kind of, it, it, it made the recovery period from the initial operation a little bit longer. Um, yeah. And after that, I suffered more on a regular basis and the pain was starting to get a bit more over the years, but it was kind of painkillers and managing it and trying to work and, and still mm-hmm. do the job doing because I was obviously very busy and working at the highest level yeah. and you want to continue doing that which meant you know and that's part and parcel of it and then I had another big episode on Thor Ragnarok in Australia where it went on me again the other foot had complete drop foot so I had the right foot in 2010 and the left foot in 2016 wow. um, so then I kind of carried on working we after Ragnarok and did Infinity War and Endgame in uh, Atlanta and I kind of was managing the back problem but still working because we literally did Ragnarok straight into Infinity, straight into Endgame, back to back. So there was no time for recovery or, or surgery. But I kind of knew that down the line I had to do something about it. I kind of made that decision and we, we came up with a plan, me and, me and Chris Hemsworth, about when I should do it. He was taking time off. So in early in March 2019, I had major um, lower back surgery. So I had my L4, L5, S1 discs removed. And I've now got two titanium discs and six screws, three either side. Uh, my spine was stretched and my facet joints were removed. So it was a major, major back surgery. But I, I came back from that, did my first time eight months after on the on the additional photography and extraction. So, um, yeah, you, it's part and parcel of it. You know, it's very physical and you've got to expect those, you know, you're going to pick up wear and tear and injuries along the way, but you've got to try and manage them. It, sound, it sounds like that a lot of that is a mental hurdle you've got to overcome as well you know just knowing that you've got nuts and bolts in your spine and you've got to go out and do some very rigorous things that people will never do in a lifetime let alone over a period of a few months when they're shooting a film how do you overcome that kind of mental barrier to be honest it will you know and, and i think complete transparency right thing but it was a um, huge huge mental battle for me to get through that i think i suffered with a lot of depression early on um mm. you know and it, and it took its toll on me very much so, I believe, over the last year and a half. And I, I, I realized, you know, I, I kind of understood how the physical side of things would be hard, but I didn't quite accept how uh, the mental side would be so difficult as well. So you had that double, you know, those two elements, that, which, you know, is kind of my DNA, is is my identity of what I do is is physicality. And that my, my tool is my body. And to be able, you know, to have an operation and that kind of worried that, it might not have gone right. How long is it going to take? It's taking longer than I hope. You've got all this time in your hands. I haven't stopped working for 13 years. And then I had, bam, a solid six months off, which ended up being more, which ended up being something closer to nine months or six, uh, eight months off. Yeah. So absolutely huge mental struggle. But, you know, I'm currently sitting here now and I'm, I'm currently sitting in the best mindset that I've been in for a year and a half, basically. I've come through a lot of dark moments and just had to keep believing that I had something more to give and I've got something inside that, mm. you know, I'm not ready to give up yet. And it, it, it's been a struggle, but, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm feeling great and my back's getting better each day. And, each and day, testing, yeah. Testing it each day to make sure that, you know, it's, it's a long journey. It's, it is a long journey. Yeah. And I think you have the surgery and people don't understand or, or really 
you know, get that it's probably you're looking at more something closer to, to, to 18 months to two years recovery, really, you know, yeah. on something as big as what the surgery was. Yeah, I guess your motivation to recover and get back to it was so strong then. You know, they talk a lot about that mattering with regards to the recovery process, you know, that visualizing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, the- lots of highs and lows, but, you know, like mm. more lows last year and a half than highs, if that makes sense. All yeah, that, no, that's great- I understand, yeah. That mental aspect is so important for all of us, isn't it, really, just to understand, don't underestimate the mental toll some of these things and events can have on us. You know, we have this this label of, you know, strong stunt performers. You know, it's kind mm. of goes with the job. and But, you know, there is the other side of it that is, you know, that comes with it. And it's the same as, you know, I have to work a lot abroad and in different countries for long periods of time away from family and friends. Mm. And, you know, it's not easy. But, you know, again, I don't want to... You know, get the violins out, but it's, um, <laughs> you know, I also have the best life as well. I get to travel the world and see and work yeah. with the most amazing people, see the most amazing things, work on the, the biggest and most amazing projects. I'm obviously very proud of and get to do some of the coolest stuff. So, listen, it, it, it's a balance that you find, you know. People who haven't worked in the film industry don't understand is there's a lot of waiting around, <laughs> isn't there? waiting around on set waiting to reset waiting to and you've got a lot of time to think about things you know if you're not um, focused and that time can can eat away at you yeah but also we've got to remember is with that time on set that you have you all is something that we do as, as, a, as a dangerous you know profession that time on set that you kind of on down on downtime excuse me and you kind of that's the time when you need to be on your toes the most and be the yeah. most alert ready to go because at the dro- a drop of a hat boom guys we need you ready you're like you've got to be on top of it all the time which also is mentally draining because you're, you're your mind's in overdrive if you like yeah. because it's it's a dangerous thing that we're doing so you've got to be alert and, and and fully focused when we do it and when you're on set how many stuntmen would there typically be i I'm, i know you're very close with chris and so on so i'm sure you know you and him and yourself are walking around and chatting about the motivations for the character in this scene which is another question of mine how much of that because you're essentially him for a large part of the film how much of the lead character's motivations and how much of the lead character are you performing like you you're a stuntman but you're more so an actor um through a lot of these heavily action-based sequences so how much time do you spend with the actors how much time do you spend with the script unpacking the motivations and blocking out the scene i mean i've worked with chris now for nine years and we've done 12 movies together but he's one of the he is the most physical actor i've ever worked with and he's physically capable of doing anything if he wasn't an actor he'd be a phenomenal stunt performer because Mm. has that athletic physique he's got that athletic mind and he's and he moves so well he's got a surfing background athletics background kickboxing background Mm. so he's He's one of those unique actors that, that have it all, really. And that obviously makes my job a lot easier. But I, th- I think it depends on how busy and action-heavy the movie is at the time. If we're doing something like Extraction, for example, perfect uh, you know, example, the whole movie is physical. So, And again, as I said, that's also a draw for a production company and a director and a film, you know, a film studio to have someone like Chris. They go... We want him to be our action hero because we know how good he is at it and we know he can do the yeah. majority of it. So, you know, we we work very closely together. We train together. We do the fight rehearsals mm. together. We do rehearsals together. But also, Chris does a lot himself. And then if it's a little bit too risky and it's not worth the danger and, and the chance mm. of him getting injured in a production company having to stop and then lose a hell of a lot of money and time, that's when I step in and I'll do the stunts. And again, we've built such a great relationship over the last eight years and spent a lot of time together we've become very close he's one of my closest friends and he puts a lot of trust in me and what i do for him the way i move for him and how i keep him as safe as i possibly can along with the stunt team and the stunt coordinator because we all work as a a team so once you have that relationship and that rapport he trusts me and you know that's that's a job that i take on and, and i make sure i try and look out for his safety it's obviously paramount and first and foremost that is what i need to do is make sure that he's safe as well with the stunt team and credit to those guys they they always do a great job which helps me out and takes a bit of pressure off of me when it comes to having to delegate jobs and make sure everyone's yeah. safe for example kind of not really my i come in as chris's stunt double and i make sure he's okay and then I work with the stunt team as well. So there's a there's a group. There's a, there's a comes with, it comes as a package really. But um, yeah. like I said, I mean, 
Chris is very blessed physically and obviously <laughs> mentally. He's a great actor as well. So I guess it's um, it's an honour for me to be able to work with someone of that calibre, you know? Oh, totally, totally, absolutely. I really love his work. I like the approach that he takes with a lot of his characters. You know, he balances that intensity with um, self-deprecation. The, the, the thing is that people sometimes maybe don't recognise enough is Chris is a proper, proper actor. He's a very, very yeah. good actor, not just a really good-looking guy with a great body and a very good action star. Yeah. He can do it all. People yeah. don't you, you look back at his you know, his, his, his credits and what he's done. And you look at Rush and his performance in Rush yeah. that wasn't a football yeah. role and he smashed it out of the park. You know, Bad Times at El Royale is completely different. He's very comedic-wise, he's a genius. Like genius, Ghostbusters yeah. and you know, yeah. Thor. He has such a... Diversity, yeah. yeah. Diversity in what he can do. He is one of the best actors of, you know, his generation of what he can do and do it all. You know, and he does it all, all at the highest level. And I think some people get a bit um, clouded with judgment on, oh, he's just a really good-looking action star. He's not. He's, there's a lot more, a lot, lot to him. And, and he proves that in every single role that he executes. And Extraction's another one where he plays an action star, but his performance as an actor is also flawless. Mm, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was offered some role from a art house director you know it might be terence malick or someone i don't know um, nicholas winden reffin i mean these aren't art house guys anymore but and imagine he, and they he, said something and they said something like you've got to lose 50 kilos bobby hollenhan would you be losing 50 50 kilos to double four we did in the heart of the sea with ron howard um and we lost a hell of a lot of weight for that show trust me and then we literally mm. went straight on to avengers age of ultron the second avengers so we went, you know, the smallest I've been since I was 17 and then to go and stand up with Captain America and then Thor within five-week period was full-on and a very physical mental challenge as well, if mm. you like. But, you know, I've done it before. I'll, I'll be honest with you right now, I wouldn't want to do it again. It was, mm. I went down to 76 or 77 kg. It's the lightest I've been since I was 16. It was, how, it was difficult. How did you do that, man? Like, you're a large dude. Like, you're, you're, what are you, 6'1", 6'6"? Um, but Chris is six four, and he lost more weight than I did because he stayed. He stayed in that character for longer. I had to. I had to start ready to get ready to to double for cap. So um, it was literally we were on like five hundred calories a day. We had like one or two bowls of vegetables a day. That was it. It was. <laughs> it was difficult. It was difficult. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm, I've got a. You know, I'm still. I'm trying to lose a bit of weight. I'm. I'm sitting at around 95 at the moment, but um, I'd like to be 77. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Uh, so in terms, in terms of us, uh, so you've spoken about Chris Sam Hargrave. Um, um, Hargrave. He, he directed. It was his first directing gig, wasn't it? Yes, it was his first main unit directing gig. He's done second hmm. unit. He was director on Atomic Blonde and. He's done some other projects, a second unit director. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's got, obviously, you know, he's one of the top stunt performers around and, you know, he's, he's got a lot of experience in action and, you know, a lot of people don't realise that he, Sam went to, to film school. You know, he, he, he yeah. knows his, he knows the industry inside out and to then, you know, get his chance, you know, for his directorial debut to do something like Extraction with Chris that we, you know, he's just worked with Chris on Infinity and, and we worked together on, on Infinity and Endgame. It was, you know, the Russos wrote, you know, wrote Extraction and they mm-hmm. kind of love, they love Sam and what he, what he did for the, the Avengers franchise and, you know, gave him his opportunity and as a, as a debut movie, he's absolutely crushed it. So that's fantastic. Yeah, he's a very, very talented filmmaker. That's really cool. There's been a qu- quite a few stunt coordinators who have transitioned into the directing the, the director's chair who've moved into the director's chair i think the john wick franchise is another one david leach and mm-hmm. uh chad Stowski, they both of those were so chad was keanu reeves stunt double and david leach was i think brad mm-hmm. pitt stunt double um yeah. they're obviously now the go-to action directors for john wick fast and furious deadpool so they mm-hmm. kind of way or open the floodgates for for people in the stunt industry to be given more of a chance and a more of a, okay, the stunt guys can do this. And Sam's been given yeah. his chance and obviously, you know, proved that. And a very, one of my closest friends, Damian Walters is, was, you know, a, he was a world champion tumbler and hardcore free runner. He's the kind of, he mm. was, 
other pioneer for, for that kind of YouTube star. And he wrote and directed and produced a movie that we've just done called School Fight Movie, which is a comedy that we all, we're a whole stunt team and we all act and play parts in it that will come out <laughs> later this year. What's that called? Sorry, what, what was that called? School Fight Movie. School Fight Movie. Okay, great. I'll look out for yeah, that. Yeah, we're hoping probably around September, October time this year it will be released. And, you know, it's making a lot of, it's, it's causing a lot of um, some great vibes in the industry of what we've, what we've managed to achieve on such a short, small budget, shoestring budget. Where, But, mm-hmm. I mean, again, that, that's Damien Walters' vision and he is literally the, one of the most talented people I've ever met in my entire life. He... He literally wrote this script, you know, asked his, his pals around him to come and do it as a passion project. We went and did it and we wanted to just do it and have fun. And we, we absolutely did that and tenfold, but we didn't realize the impact and what we could actually do. And some of the stuff is what we've got is absolutely incredible. It's an action comedy, which will blow people's minds once they see it because of the scale of what we've managed to yeah. get on such a shoestring is, is mind blowing. And I think, Again, that's a, you know, Damien was a, a tumbler, parkour free runner into stunt yeah. performer, into fight choreographer and shooting a lot of previews. He's always been great with the camera. Second unit director, directing in China, and now he's just done his, his first full feature as the main unit director on School Fight. And, and I, I can promise you it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause some good, some good uh, reactions from people. Oh, that's fan- I can't wait to see it, man. That sounds fantastic. What I will say is what I really love about the Sam Hargraves directing style is it's almost like you're looking at things through his perspective and that perspective can only come from someone who has been the stunt person or has a really intimate understanding of the stunts from a first person perspective you know and and that is literally conveyed through the camera and and I just don't know if someone who has gone through the traditional you know the traditional course of filmmaking will actually be able to tap into that insight that that sort of deep and intimate understanding of the stunt making process or actually what it feels like to jump from a building to another building or to be in a car chase actually driving the car and then hanging out of it you know and that's what i loved about that 12 minute sequence in extraction fucking hell man it was just the most amazing my wife and i were watching uh, extraction on netflix and I, that that grabbed me. I'm, I was watching this film, and I'm thinking, "There's something about some, there's just something really cool." And about what, what, what? How the heck did yeah. they? How did they go from first person perspective in, in a building, jump from one building to the other building, fall off the building, get into a car, be in the car driving, then to be out of the car on a motorbike? You know what I mean? There was so much going on, so beautifully coordinated. I'm sure a lot of it it looked like one clean take but it wasn't just about the clean take it was the perspectives and the angles and the point of views changing and oh man it was just done so beautifully i wonder if you could talk a little bit about that because i could yeah, geek out I mean, on that for a friggin' whole episode man. yeah absolutely i mean the great thing that sam's got as i said i go back to he went to film school and he decided that he would get into stunts after the experience he gained from film school. And that was his way in, as he says, to, to, you know, to many people. And it's, it's so true that he's now been at the highest level in the stunt and action side of things. But he also has got the, the filmmaking skill as well. So then to be able to take his experiences from stunts and go, well, this is how you do it. This is how it feels and try things new and, and push the bar and, 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 and sit on a car strapped in and get these amazing angles. And he's known for how good he is at his oneers. I mean, Atomic Blondie is his oneer on the staircase with Charlize was his next mm-hmm. level. Um, so he wanted to do something special on this and, and it certainly was. And, you know, I think his, his career is going to just only rocket now. But I mean, to be able to go from the outside the car to inside the car and, yeah. That was a beautiful that's, that's, shot. Like to 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 the viewers who don't understand that, that looked like you guys somehow passed the camera. Out, yes, or, it looked like Sam's passing it, or the cameraman's passing it to someone else. But yeah. we, it was it was one smooth transition of a, a crane arm. And but the, the the most amazing thing about that is to be able to shoot that and, and get the response he's had so far on on his first movie and the pressure of all that. You know, it's, it goes credit and props to the Russos to to they they knew how good he was and how talented he was and said, yeah. look. You put this in your in your in your hands and you go for it and you know as again I, you can't say it enough how good he is and what he's done and 
you know, very, very happy for him. And I think he'll, his, his career will continue to rocket. And, and I think he's set a precedent now in action movies of like Chad and Dave, they, they do great stuff. And Deadpool and, and John Wick was amazing. And that was kind of almost, you know, was in that school with them as a student. And now he's gone, look at this. It opens the door for the stunt industry. And it finally start to get the recognition that, that, that we deserve. And, yeah. Um, I think it's gonna. It, it's a game changer. I think extraction and you know everyone that's seen it. It's you know I've had I've had some of the most amazing responses from people on on social media and emails and 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 just you know that they loved it and and it, you know it's lovely to to hear that when you've worked and sweat blood and guts everywhere on a movie and you've worked your ass off to get the best result possible and Sam had a great team around him to make it work and the team mm. team work does make the dream work. That's just, stupid but it really does i mean that really comes through in the film you know you could just see it it's just it's so well put together it came out of nowhere not a huge amount of fanfare it's almost like just get ready for it get ready for it guys you know (laughs) and then boom and i think that kind of impact is again like you said it didn't have any it's got no build up you know it's kind of one of those where people are like what is unknown whereas something like avengers you've got that whole audience of people knowing what they want to see what they're going to expect to see and you've got that fan base so to be able and again it was a netflix original it wasn't like they you know you had the big star name as in chris but it was netflix and you don't you don't know until you make something and it's now the biggest netflix movie of all time that's it's crushed it and, and yeah. you translate that it's hit you know a hundred million nearly of, of households that have watched it you know or, or views um, if you were to translate that into a fifteen dollar ticket, you, you, you're in the you're talking one point five billion on a, on a yeah. movie that's come nowhere with no real fan base. It's astonishing what it's done, and the, you know we, who knows, we hopefully we get to make another one. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so too. I want to see the sequel for sure. <laughs> yeah, I um. In terms of Sam Hargraves' involvement, how much does he coordinate the stunts? Like, take the twelve minute sequence, the one taker. that's all sam's vision that was what he wanted obviously he's got it on you know the russos have have written the script um and it goes you know there's creative input from from obviously those guys and chris and sam and those yeah sam so he spent a lot of time behind the scenes creating things and his idea and getting his vision out there so He's very hands-on, and that's what you want. And then, you know, he employs a stunt team and a, you know, second director, fighter ranger, stunt coordinator, and then the stunt team, and, and asks for, you know, a catalogue of stunts, fights, skills, and he's like, okay, well, that may work here, and that works here. So he kind of envision, envisions what he wants and what he's going to do, and he can then put it together. And again, like you, to, to, he's proven that if you have someone that's making a, an action movie and you want it to be at the highest level, they should have some kind of physical background or stunt background. Yeah. And he's proven that again. And he's, and I go back to David and Chad and, and Sam and Damien Walters. They, they've proven that that's, that this is their background and they've been given a chance to show what they can do and they excel at it. And I guess it does open the floodgates for, for people to say, hold on a minute. They stand up and they say, these stunt guys really know what they're doing. And yeah. to be able to, Give that kind of, you know, opening debut directorial, you know, chuck that out there with, he chucked a team together that he knew could do what, you know, the best at what they did and, and, and get Chris as the lead. You know, you put all the best elements into a mixing pot and you're going to get a great result. It's really, that point you mentioned earlier is quite, quite strong and potent. You're not, you're competing, not, not to say you're competing with a Marvel franchise by any, um, the Avengers franchise by any means, but, um, the the property itself brings as opposed to this the brings the brings the audience as opposed to this where you're fighting literally for the eyeballs of a whole bunch of people who know nothing about this film and to be able to go from zero to what you've achieved is an absolutely amazing achievement i highly congratulate yourself and the rest of the crew because i think you guys have pulled off one of the best films, honestly, we've seen for a long time and probably the best film that's come out of Netflix so far. So, you know, I really, hats off to you guys, man. Huge props. Very, very, yeah. very kind, very kind. Thank you. How much of what is scripted makes it to the to the final edit? And is there room 
whilst you're on set to ad lib and change things organically the script is obviously always a good base to start and 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 i think creative input from everyone helps where you've got something down on the paper and you say okay well i understand that but we can slightly make that better if we do this and this and this which dan did a lot and chris did a lot and the, the team did a lot um because sometimes what reads on the on the page and then you you show a previs or a, a rehearsal mm. kind of go well doesn't actually quite work so let's just change this and this and make it make it better and i feel like you get really do get some of the best stuff when you just off the cuff and ad lib and yeah i really enjoyed that side of things and um and and it's and, and chris does that he's very good at, at, at you know that something's on screen and he'll give you that he'll give you that version on, from the script and then he'll say oh can i try this can i try something else yeah. most of the time that bit where he says can i try this and do something of my that's what ends up making the movie most of the time because yeah, he's exactly. so good at that, so good at it. Does it work in reverse where you say to Chris, mate, why don't we try this? I reckon, look, I'll give it a shot. We'll see how we go. You can try and give it a shot if you want as well. Do you, do you, does the same thing happen in reverse as well where you're throwing your ideas into the mix? To- yeah, I mean, again, like I go back to our relationship, how close we are, and we work on films and we respect, you know, massive respect yeah. for each other. And, he's whole, and he knows his team around him are only mm. looking – for, the, for him and the you know, we want the best for him so sometimes he'll always you know what do you think I should do there what do you think I should say there and we'll, we'll have a laugh and go try that try this and he does that and yeah. it's so funny when he's you know he does this thing but it's great that he trusts in us and and relies you know and, and, and that's a I think that's a great part of the industry and a great part of a relationship and friendship that you've got with someone where yeah. that all you want is the best for you and they know that because I find that we've got a very similar sense of humor and we mess around mm. a lot you know, and have as much fun as we as we can because that's what it's all about, right? You're not having yeah, fun. Exactly. Yeah. And I almost feel like we'll, you know, he'll, he'll try stuff on things that we've messed around and done before, and it, the response he gets is amazing because you know he's having he's having fun, and that's when you get the best out of someone. Yeah. You know, and with TT is a genius for that type of thing. When we did Ragnarok with Taika, it was probably hands down one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life, just purely because you're working with a genius comedic director as Taika. And I, and, I, and I, you know, I do really mean when I say genius because he really literally is. Mm-hmm. And he brought the best out of Chris and, and changed that Thor role mm-hmm. and made it what it is now where they're like, let's make another one. You know, it's yeah. like he had the impact. I had the impact. And it's amazing when you see someone such a nice person and so funny and so talented get to, to show and showcase what they can do. I always wanted to work with Taika in the when I was in the ad industry. He was one of the directors. I had a loose association with, and I was always trying to get closer and closer to Taika because I just loved his take on humour and and his humanity and yeah, just to see him go from strength to strength as well was just amazing. Yeah, I swear to God, he's he's literally light years ahead of everyone. Like his mind. Is is in the future somewhere? He's so so good, quick, funny. Mm. His making skills are just beyond belief. Good. Jojo Rabbit is you know he yeah, wrote brilliant. Jojo Rabbit, stars in it. He directed it. He won an Oscar for it. He's hands down one of the most. Well, he is probably the most talented person I've ever met in my entire life. He's incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, what's your creative process like, or your typical process on set? You know, the moment you receive the script, um, do you break down the scene? Do you look through all the beats? Um, you know, the motivation of the characters. Do you block it out. I mean, what's just like a quick summary of what a typical process would look like for us? What happens is the stunt coordinator will put a stunt team together. Yeah, and we generally have roughly around between eight and twelve weeks rehearsal period before the film goes to uh, before it goes it gets its first day of filming, right? So we've got between eight eight and twelve weeks, um, and the reason we've got that time is because we have a script. It will break down the stunt coordinator will break down the action sequences, mm-hmm. and then he'll get the stunt team to put basically what's on the page, and we'll we'll bring it to life. So we'll shoot a previs, we'll, we'll try all different things, we'll have different versions, we'll have a, you know, this is version one, two, three, four, fights, stunts, whatever. The stunt coordinator will add his bit of, um, bit of zhuzh to it, if you like. He'll, he'll say, well, that, I think we can do this better than what's on the, on the page, so let's give them options. Then it goes to the second director, it goes to the lead actor, it goes to the, the main director to have a look at. And then they'll say, oh, I really like that. That's great. That kind of doesn't work for the story, but this does. Can you change that slightly, but put this somewhere? So basically then we'll go away. 
will then do it again and give them what they want, take it back, and hopefully they go, yeah, that's, I love that, that's great, I love the way you shot it, sign off on that, document it all, and then we're going to shoot that whenever it's, it comes up in the schedule. But for us to have eight to 12 weeks, is obviously because what we do is very dangerous and our main thing is about safety and making sure it's as safe as possible, repeatable, we don't want anyone to get hurt. So we take our time with it. You have to build up in small increments to get to the end result. And once you get to the end result, hopefully most of the time, everyone touch wood is, is, is fit, healthy, good, no injuries, and we're ready to shoot it. And we can repeat it when we come to shoot it, when you take the mats away and you take your protective gear on that you've got on, you can take it off. So that is what we do. And, and I think that helps a lot in, in preparing a movie and helps to sometimes there's first time action directors and they're kind of like, well, this is the first time I've done an action movie. Can you help me here? And once we yeah. give them some, you know, some stuff and, and some material, they say, Oh, that's amazing. We love that. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of takes that pressure off of them, those guys, because we, you know, this, this, the stunt crew have generally been doing it for a very long time. This is what we specialize in. And then, you know, the, 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 we shoot it and you get movies like extraction, for example. So a lot of what you do is incredibly creative. Your, I guess the tools of your trade are essentially your physical faculties, your body. How do you overcome creative block? There are so many ways you could do a stunt. You, what you yeah. want to do is try and do it in a way that is surprising and different. Um, I think we've got to draw on our experiences and what we've done in the past. And the, the, the beauty of stunts is every single stunt you do is different, even if it's the same stunt, if that makes sense. You might do a stairfall, but every single time and every job you do it on will be a very different scenario. It's a different part of the story. For example, in Extraction, I did a stairfall with someone else with my, my wrist cable tied and a bag over my head so I couldn't see. So... And then the next job I might do, it might be another stairfall where I'm, I don't have any kind of restrictions and I'm free to be able to move how I, an artist in my body, how I would normally do that. So the beauty of it is it's never the same. It's always different and it will always look different because it's always shot different by different mm-hmm. filmmakers, different second unit directors, different main unit directors. So mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. It's never going to look the same, even if it's the same stunt. So it's about adapting to that. And using our tools that we've developed over the years and that we've learned and we've honed and kind of, you know, made what makes us our, you know, individuals and make make that into the story and take on the story of the character. But I find throughout my years of, of, of being a stunt double and, you know, I feel very blessed and lucky that I've been work, I've worked with some of the best actors and some of the best teams and met some of the most amazing people in the world to do, you know, to be able to do what I've done. And it's... I think it's a it's our job and it's a massive part of our job to take on that character role as well. So I watch the way that Chris walks, I watch the way he moves, I watch the way he runs, and I try and emulate that as much as I possibly can. And that's part and parcel of it. And I feel if you're if you're in that fortunate position to be a stunt double for an elite actor, you need to take that as seriously as possible and, and do everything you can. Like I have to, you know, strict diets and, and strict training regime just to stay anywhere near his kind of fitness and be ready for a movie that we're in because I know it's going to be high action and, and crazy amounts of stunts. And I've got to try and keep myself in the best physical state that I can to give myself every chance to um, execute these stunts and make sure I can repeat them and try and stay potentially touch with mm-hmm. as injury-free as possible, which obviously you know that that's not always the case because no, of the nature of the beast. But... Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to go on a job and, and do something different every time and play yeah. a different character and be an, a physical actor as, as, as yeah. what we are. And I've done that yeah. for the best part of 13 years and it was such a nice change for me because of my back surgery to then try acting as, as a part and actually mm. deliver the, the dialogue and yeah. try a new, new side of it. But again, it's kind of not really. You're just... Yeah. Well, I've been acting years in physically and physicality and you just you try and trans that translate that into you know the dialogue and which is new and it's what's going on but you know that process i absolutely loved it and you know i want to continue to be able to do that if i get the opportunities and you know hopefully off of the back of school fight i think hopefully we get a chance to do a lot more and i think our aim as a a crew and my my boys and and damien waters and and the crew want to you know make a second one that's our Mm. ambition We'd love I love to the way to- you framed that, the, the translation between the physicality on screen to then verbalising 
some motive. There really isn't any difference. Once you get beyond the concept of there being a camera in front of you, if you're just being a character, whether you're speaking or you're moving, there's really no difference, is there? You're conveying an idea, whether you have to do that literally with the words or the sounds that come out of your mouth (laughs) or your body, you know, is really irrelevant. It's kind of mind and body and to deliver dialogue is something that's new and alien to me because I'm like, okay, we're, we're always taught to hide your face and yeah. not show your face in camera, you know, whereas this, you, you have to be showing your face in yeah, camera yeah, and yeah. Your dialogue. But once you adapt to it, it is the same thing, but mm. obviously it's, it's just a different variation of that. So yeah. whenever I, I, I can certainly say for myself, whenever I'm, you know, stunt doubling for Chris or anyone, I try and put my mind in, into playing that character and trying to think how he would hit the ground and react and mm, we realize yeah. when we hit the ground and screaming and we do fights and we're like rah, 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 you know we try and get into that into that actor's mode and that character mode as much as we possibly can i think by doing the physical side of it, it's put me in good stead for for giving a, a, other things a try and until you put yourself in those positions for example i luckily enough i haven't stopped working for 13 years but back surgery meant that i couldn't for the best part of a year almost yeah so i can adapt and try new things and you know, I wrote a children's book, you know, that hopefully will be published next year. And it's something I've never done before. And I'm, wow. I'm writing a script as we speak. So I've you know, got a comedy script that I'm writing at the moment. And to, to be able to sit back and actually go, okay, I've got time now. What can I do? Let me try something else. Mm. It's lovely to be able to try different things. And listen, I'm not saying I'm good at any of them, but no. I'm, I, I want to give them a try and I'm enjoying it. And if you enjoy something, then why not? And Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people need to do that. I really do. Like you're an incredibly creative dude. Like your 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 method of conveying that creativity is through your body, um, traditionally. But there's no reason why. Like we spoke about, it couldn't translate into other things. It's just that's the best vehicle for it now, you know. And yeah. look, I mean Sam Hargrave, and we were just spending a while talking about it, right? It's it's just it's there. It's just bubbling beneath the surface, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess unless you step outside your comfort zone and really push yourself and test yourself to do other things, the worst thing is to not give it a go and then regret that you didn't give it a go. Mm, give it right. a go and be, be prepared to fail. You might you might fail a hundred times, but that hundred and one time you might get some kind of satisfaction from it. But if you're enjoying what you're doing, it doesn't, it's almost a hobby, you know, like stunts is my main thing. And that's what I do. And I have done all my, all my whole life. And that's been from the gymnastic years. And, you know, that's taken me on to do what I'm doing, but I still enjoy other things and to give them a try and give them a go and freshen things up is to give it, to give things a go and, and, and have fun is, is kind of what I want to try and do much more of now. Yeah. And props to you, man, like getting through that is tough, you know, and I think once you've gotten through a really tough setback like that and you've come out the other end successful, you think, man, what else could I do, you know? <laughs> I'm 50 pages into a screenplay right now because I'm enjoying, you know, what I'm doing and it's it's, it's about enjoying it. Is, is that screenplay, you don't have to give it away yet, but um, does it involve some heavy action sequences? I imagine it would be. Or is it more mundane, kind of more dialogue-driven drama? <laughs> it's dialogue, and there's, there is a little bit of drama. It's a comedy, and it ends up with a, a, a heartfelt comedy towards the end. It's got some cool little action action pieces in there, but it's got some really funny, basic action stuff. You know where it's... Yeah. You know, you watch YouTube videos of people falling over and people just, I mean, I find it hilarious, yeah. people, those natural stunts. So I've kind of, I've, I've tried to incorporate that in the screenplay and, and try and add a bit of real stunts to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What is that type of humour, observational humour? Oh, I can't remember the term. I wouldn't call it slapstick humour. No, it's not slapstick. No, I'm not talking. It's, yeah. it's just, there's a certain physicality. Like, even Seinfeld, when Kramer walks in to the room, and he opens the door a different way or slides in a different way every time. I even thinking about it, I used to just crack up because I would that that was the thing that I loved. I just loved when Kramer entered the room. And there was just yeah. something that really struck a chord with me because I could tell Kramer was trying to mix it up every time. <laughs> but there's just yeah. something like and that's a really simple movement, but so much can be baked baked into I mean, that, yeah. yeah absolutely and i agree with you and i think that i kind of feel exactly the same as you on that and I, i'll use this as a reference and i'm sure you've seen it the only falls and horses when you know david jason um falls through the bar though know, where he's talking to rodney and he's basically caught the eyesight of a, of a, of a young lady and he's, he's standing rodney at the bar trying to act cool and he's got a pint and 
he leans off the bar for a second and the, the bar lady lifts up the hatch and he was <laughs> leaning back and he just falls straight from the bar. But it's something quite simple, but yeah, yeah. comedic stunts I've so ever good. seen. You should check it out. And if you haven't, it is unbelievable. And I've kind of hopefully got a few kind of gags like that in, in this screenplay. That's that so right. good. Yeah, I love that stuff. I really do. That's one one example. Are there any other examples of stunts or more comedic style performances that involve the physicality in more recent films or um, previous films that you really love? An, act, an actual story that springs to mind that was not supposed to happen, but it was very funny. I was actually on set on Ragnarok and I'd been on, I'm on the second unit rehearsing a stunt. And then when I finished... I said, oh, I'm going to just go over and see Chris on main unit. You know, they're filming over there. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So I go over and I'm in my civvies and I walk onto set and Chris is all ready to go and makeup and hair. And, and we start having a conversation about UFC or whatever we were talking about. And I don't realize at the time because we're in the zone talking and, you know, the hair and makeup start to leave and everyone starts. And it feels like it's just me and Chris on the set. Um, so we're talking. And then as we start continue talking, Chris like, you better leave, dude, because the camera's coming in now. And they're like, three, two, one. And I look around. <laughs> shit, I'm on the set in my civvies. And he's walking in the shot. And the camera pans all the way around, shows the whole set. And now I look around. No one's to be seen because they're all hiding behind the monitors because they don't want to get seen in the shot. So I'm like, holy shit. So what? And, it's, and it's almost like a silence. Chris is just walking. There's no dialogue. So you could hear a pin drop. So yeah. I kind of... There's nowhere for me to go, so I'm like, I need to try and find some kind of cover. And there's a table with a big, huge, like, Asgardian fruit bowl with all this fruit on this table. <laughs> so I dive over the table just in time before the camera pans onto me. Yeah. I dive on the, over the table. The fruit bowl goes everywhere, <laughs> cause this massive, loud eruption of this, in this scene, and, and then... I'm like, holy shit, I just wanted the floor to open up and eat me. And I kind of let him and I hear like Tiger's like, cut. And I'm like, the silence, and I kind of get up, and he's like, and Tiger walks by me, and he's like, yeah, nice one, Bob, I saw that. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> one of those moments you just like, oh, my God. But it was, it was, it was comedy, and I wish, that, I wish, I wish there I was a means of that. Oh, man, so do I. That'd be so good. <laughs> was it real fruit or was that plastic stuff they use on? Yeah, no, it was real fruit. I mean, it was, it was all, you know, proper proper organic fruit. And oh, wow. It was a scene that was supposed to be quite quiet and, and, and Chris walking through the shot looking cool as, cool as anything and then I kind of ruined that shot. But, yeah, it was, it was a funny moment and Taika took it very funny as well. You know, that's the kind of guy yeah, he is. Yeah. So he was like, mate, that's amazing. If I, could, if, you could have ever, if I could see you do that again, I'd pay for it. It was, it was fun. Are there any um, things happening in the industry that concern you? I think I've been quite lucky, you know. I think, um, you know, every everyone I work with from every single department, you know, I have great relationships with and I've had such great experiences on, on, on everything that mm-hmm. I've worked on. You know, I take massive positives from everything. But, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, one thing that I guess is not credited and – you know, is, is a big thing right now. And there's 180,000 petitions that have been signed for, for the stunt department industry to get an Oscar category. And I think we're getting closer and closer. I don't know the reason why there's not been a stunt category because mm. we, it, we, there was, there was action before there was even sound. In That's film. right. Yeah. Physical yeah. action before there was even sound and the sound department are getting Oscars left, right and center, which they, as, as they should, I don't dispute that mm. at all, but, Every department should get recognised in in the, in the in the Academy Awards, and I think that's only fair to to say that and have that. But hopefully, after you know Brad Brad Pitt won, when he when he got his Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is obviously based on a on a stunt on a stunt man, and he at the Academy Awards said it's about time that we recognise stunts, and it was such an impact because of who he is, and it's Brad Pitt. Mm. that things are starting to move in the right direction. And they should have gone that way a long time ago, but unfortunately they haven't. But listen, there's no point looking back in the past. We can only move forward. And hopefully, mm. hopefully it will be recognised sooner rather than later. I'm sure it'll be only a matter of time and hopefully um, soon, yeah, to your point, uh, much sooner than... It'd be amazing. It'd be lovely if it could get sorted this year so Extraction's got an opportunity to win some awards. Well, if if, if it's not not now, it's never. You know, I know Anthony Circus was really pushing for um, uh, CGI performances to be seen as no different to other performances and or at least having a category for those. Um 
big for a lot of the work that he did in with Gollum and so on in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But yeah, I mean this this is crucial. And you're right, you know. We talked about Buster Keaton, like he was one of the the pioneers of film. Absolutely. And listen, you can't make an action movie without a stunt team. It's just not possible. Although in extraction you're not wearing superhero costumes, I think the the characters are heroes. There's something to be said about inspiring young people to aim and achieve greater things, push themselves to the limits and so on. Would you have any tips or words of advice for people who want to get into the industry? To stay healthy is obviously the most important thing that people should be focusing on, right? It's to stay healthy. That's number one. My my uh, tip would be, you know, I, I know that people have, when I was down, I would train and make myself feel better. So I'm, I'm an advocate, a living advocate for, mm. for what it is to, to stay physical and, and, and try and be as healthy as you possibly can is will make you automatically feel better and happier than you were if you don't do it. I know that when I don't train or I don't eat well, it makes me feel shit to get outside and, and, and get fresh air and, and stuff like that and find something that you love to do physically um, and, and, and run with it and, and, and try your best and have fun with it. And, um, you know, it, I, I guess if I was to give a tip to anyone that wanted to be a stunt performer out there in the world, it's know that you really want to do that as a profession because it's not something you can kind of dip in. And, oh, yeah, I'm not really sure I want to do that because it's so dangerous. If you're committed and you don't you know what you're getting yourself into, it can be it can change your life but in a bad way. So um, it's something that you need to know that you want to do it and you have a passion for it and you've wanted to do it for a long time before you set foot in that kind of arena, if you like, if I put it that way. But, yeah, I'd, I'd just say to people, try and stay physical. I mean, I'm part of Chris's you know, fitness app center. Um, and we got everything under that one umbrella and, you know, there's, there's, uh, sleep visualization, there's yoga, there's Pilates, there's MMA, there's, there's training with weights, without weights. There's a nutrition side of things, plant-based, vegan, meat eaters. It's got everything under one umbrella. So, you know, if you want to, that's a good, that's a good place to start. A lot of those things help. And this one, I, based on the quick research I've done, it really, there's something about it. It just really, really resonates with me. Just the format, the user experience, everything about it. It's it, it's really well put together. So it is, mate. Put, put together very, very well. There's a great team, you know, behind the scenes that make it work and make it tick. And you've got someone of, of Chris's stature to, 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 you know, he is something, an idea that he had a long time ago and he wanted to get that across and share it with the world. And, you know, he's, if anyone, you know, wants to aspire to, to anyone, it, you know, Chris is a perfect role model for that. So what projects are you working on outside of the film industry? Do you have any side hustles that you're working on or you're, you've committed to? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really call it hustle, but I centre Chris's fitness app. I'm, I'm a, you know, an expert trainer on there that, I, that I'm working, um, you know, very closely with the team. And, you know, I've also uh, just become an ambassador for Battle Cancer, my nan just passed away two weeks ago of cancer and it was kind of, um, it's obviously very close to my heart and I'd like to try and help, you know, um, people that are suffering from cancer and, you know, people that have come through that cancer and, and, and or going through the treatment, whatever that may be. And that's also part of a fitness regime to keep people upbeat and, and try and raise their spirits through that and through that yeah. struggle and hard time. And um, the founder, Scott Britton, you know, asked me to come on board and help. And it was an honor for someone to, you know, someone of, of he's an inspirational guy. Him and his wife have given up their, their jobs to focus on this charity. And um, it, it, their, their charity, um, Battle Cancer, basically runs on fitness events and all around the world to to get people there and, 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 and raise awareness for, you know, everyone we're talking about. And, and so we should COVID-19 and, and coronavirus yeah. is huge. If you look at the, the, the amount of people that die from cancer every year, it's just it's it's 10, million, 10 million or something. It's crazy. Um, My mother died of cancer when I was 18, and I wish um, there was an organization like Battle Cancer. It's a really important thing to have support for the people who are suffering and those who are left behind, you know. And and you know what? That's what Scott's done. And, and as I said, he's such an inspirational human being and his wife as well to, to start this foundation and raise that awareness. And again, I go back to the fact that 10 people a year, you know, 10, 10 million people a year get, you know, die from cancer, 40, 40 million people a year get diagnosed with cancer. And it, those numbers are staggering that, that that's mm. happening. And 
not that it not that it gets forgotten, but I feel like there should be more awareness that, of people that need to know about these foundations and these charities that try and help cancer patients to get through that and families. It's, it's a it's a community that we tr- you know that that Scott's trying is to work his hardest to 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 get out there. And as I said, we've got some stuff happening this week, which hopefully will start to really raise more awareness and 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 build build that structure that will help you know, cancer patients and not just cancer patients now that are suffering with cancer that, you know, also, you know, the, the, the people that have come through the, the, the cancer process and the treatment process and, and, and that side of things as well. And, you know, it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about and it's something that kind of, that I feel is almost a, a fate in a way. And, um, I feel like I, I'm doing something repaying my nan in a, in a way and, and, and I want to help as many people as, as I can with it. Can you just give that foundation, just give us the details of that foundation so it's Battle Cancer. Where can we find out more? How do we donate? How do we help support this initiative? Yeah, so they've got obviously a a fund-me page and it's, um, if you you go online, www.battlecancer.com and you've got all the information you need on there and and there's in Scott's Instagram, there's battle.cancer on the Instagram feed. Um, and they've got the platform there and then there's Scott Britton if anyone wants to reach out to him as well to get some more information I'll do whatever I can to support it as well it's something very close to my heart no honestly yeah that's a it's a great initiative and I you know I'm all for it you've given us a lot of information you've a lot of advice and a lot of encouragement people who want to go out there and try new things in new physical ways and mental ways how would you distill all that into a bite of wisdom you put me on the spot I'm not sure um Maybe if you don't try, you don't know. I won't go with that one. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, you don't. If you don't try, you don't know. We're going to take that. <laughs> one take, mate. One take, baby. We got it in one take. If you don't try, you don't know. <laughs> Look, before we go, where can people find out more about you and so they can keep an eye on your career and uh, some of the films you're working on or have been? I mean, I, I obviously use instagram a lot it's a good platform for me to be able to show people behind the scenes stunts and, and the physical side of, of of the stunt industry which is a bobby dazzler 84 obviously facebook uh twitter tiktok i'm trying you know trying to be cool and, and be a part of all of them but you know my website is www.bobbyhollandhanson.com and, and imdb everything's on there Bobby Holland Hatton, it has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Um, I'm so blessed and so thankful that you've taken the time to speak to me. Uh, we've spoken about all the all the things that I'm interested in, both deep as well as really exciting from the action industry, the film industry, right through to how we can help people with cancer and whatnot and what we can do in order to, to, to promote awareness of some of the initiatives that uh, do that. So thank you so much for your time, Bobby. I, I have truly honestly appreciated this chat i'm going to follow your career i'll probably reach out to you in a couple of months or a year's time or so just to have you back on at some point but um thank you so much thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it and thank you for getting up so early to, to have this chat and yeah i'm honored as well to to be on your show and, and and as i said yeah watch this space and hopefully there'll be some more stuff to talk about in the near future and we'll do this again so thank you again very much for your time thanks bobby cheers mate take care bye-bye see you later If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at bsidepodcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. Cheers.